The book of Jeremiah, starting in chapter 45. This is a short chapter where Jeremiah and God are speaking to his scribe Baruch, who is the one writing all these things down. And apparently Baruch had said, Ah, woe is me, for the Lord has added sorrow to my pain. I am weary with my groaning and have found no rest. Thus, uh, you know, God says to Jeremiah, Thus says the Lord for Baruch, Behold, what I have built, I am about to tear down, and what I have planted, I am about to uproot, that is, the whole land. But you, are you seeking great things for yourself? Do not seek them, for behold, I am going to bring disaster on all flesh, declares the Lord. But I will give your life to you as booty in all the places where you may go. This reminds me a lot of uh, Jesus' disciples, where Baruch he discerned, this is a man of God, I'm going to dedicate myself to him. Um, there's evidence that he was uh, from a very noble family, and he was, a, you know, he was trained up as a scribe. And, but he dedicated himself to this man, who's kind of outside of the mainstream. And so he, he, there's a good chance he was probably expecting this to turn into some kind of glorious overcoming right that like in the natural and um that reminds me of the disciples of jesus where they're you know they're talking about sitting on his the right and his left hand of his throne and they're they're just expecting here at some point jesus is gonna take over and he's gonna be king of all this land and we're his closest uh confidants you know we're we're his closest people so we'll be kind of in charge of all this and you know, Jesus over time has to explain to them, and that which they didn't fully get until he rose from the dead and returned to teach them again, that the, his kingdom is not of this world. And so God and Jeremiah here are saying a similar thing to Baruch. Like, look, you're worried about your natural life. That's, you're putting your considerations in the wrong place. This is a time of judgment on, on all flesh, on the worldly ways of my people. And so this is, you're not going to have an easy time here. No one is. But because you've dedicated yourself to me, you will come through it. Um, as Jesus said, for those who love their life, they will lose it. For those who <laughs> basically die to their own life in this world, who hate their life, they will find it. They will have new life in me. So Jesus is talking about an eternal kingdom. A, a, a second life, a spiritual life, born again into a new way of living that is ordered by the Lord and fulfilled by the Lord and His Spirit. Here at this time, they're basically, it's, it's a little more physical in nature, but He's saying, look, there's going to be people all around you dying and hurt, and you're going to survive because you're serving my way. You should be satisfied with that. And then we're on to chapter 46. Oh, I should also point out, it, it was dated early on at the beginning of the chapter 45 that uh, when this happened, and this was earlier. So the book of Jeremiah, like a lot of books in the Bible, jumps back and forth in time. And so, um, although we have already read about the fall of Jerusalem, that had not happened yet. The final fall had not happened yet um, when, when Jeremiah spoke these words to Baruch. Um, so if you're interested, you can line it up by the dates that he gives, but I'll leave it at that and move on to 46. And we'll find from 46 on, uh, Jeremiah speaking a lot of words against the nation surrounding Jerusalem, surrounding Judah. And so this chapter, he's uh, speaking words against Egypt. 
And again, Egypt often represents worldly ways in the Bible. So we'll see if that applies here. The first 12 verses, he, you know, it's very poetic, but he basically talks about this arm, these very proud, strong armies of Egypt lining up and they look strong and they're rising like the Nile River and they're covering the land and they're proud and they're arrogant and uh, mighty men and even the Ethiopians, the put, the people of Put and the Lydians are all, you know, aligned with them. And, but he's already implying that they're going to come to doom against uh, Nebuchadnezzar. And he has said, you know, that the Lord will triumph, that the battle is always the Lord's. And then he starts to say about Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, he's going to smite the land of Egypt. And again, he he just goes in, in great detail about even though they're more numerous than locusts and are without number, the daughter of Egypt has been put to shame, given over to the power of the people of the north. So he's just prophesying doom against Egypt at the hands of Nebuchadnezzar. He says, I'm going to punish uh, Ammon of Thebes and Pharaoh and Egypt along with her gods and her kings, even Pharaoh and those who trust in him. I shall give them over to the power of those who are seeking their lives, even into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and into the hands of his officers. Afterward, however, it will be inhabited as in the days of old, declares the Lord. And then there's a word for God's people. So here's we have destruction on this kingdom that represents the world. And then there's a light of hope for God's people. And starting in 27. But as for you, O Jacob, my servant, do not fear, nor be dismayed, O Israel. For see, I am going to save you from afar and your descendants from the land of their captivity. And Jacob will return and be undisturbed and secure with no one making him tremble. O Jacob, my servant, do not fear, declares the Lord. For I am with you, for I will make a full end of all the nations where I have driven you. Yet I will not make a full end of you, but I will correct you properly and by no means leave you unpunished. So he says, you've taken on these worldly ways. You've become like the people around you who don't know me. And so these ways have to be removed from you. But I will correct you, I will cleanse you, and I will bring you back into this promised land that I have prepared for you. And then we're on to 47, which is a prophecy against the Philistines, which apparently Jeremiah gave to them before Pharaoh conquered them at Gaza. And this is a seven-verse chapter, which is, again, I'm not going to read it all, but verse 4 says, On account of the day that is coming to destroy all the Philistines, to cut off from Tyre and Sidon every ally that is left, for the Lord is going to destroy the Philistines. So you see the difference between Egypt. He said, I'm going to, you know, I'm, you're going to lose, you're going to have serious destruction, but eventually life's going to go on for Egypt against uh the Philistines, he says, I'm going to absolutely destroy you, which is true. The Philistines are gone. The word that we have, uh, Palestinians, Palestine, that comes because the, um, the uh, Caesar of uh, Rome uh, got angry because the Jews were always revolting. And so he changed the name of that area to Palestine because it was similar to Philistine. And he, I guess they couldn't pronounce Philistine. And so um, that's where that name comes from. But those people are gone. The people that live there now that call themselves Palestinians are Arabs. So it's, you know, these people were were done away with. I'm sure some of them assembled into the people around the area. But 
but they're gone and then Arabs came into the land uh, over the last century. And then we're on to chapter 48. And this chapter is a prophecy against Moab. So again, um, he's just going on and on in the different ways that he's going to bring down Moab. The, the first verse I see that I feel like commenting on is 10. Cursed be the one who does the Lord's work negligently, and cursed be the one who restrains his sword from blood. So this is an interesting thing. He says, someone who's going about my work but is kind of haphazard about it, doesn't take my work seriously, that, that's a, a cursed way. And someone who stops my hand of discipline on wherever I see that that discipline is need, that that's a cursed way. Which kind of goes against the modern Christianity, like God's just loving, peaceful, fluffy bunny, and he just wants to give everyone a big hug. Um, it's a little bit different picture. In 11 to 13, he basically said, Moab has had it easy since his youth. And he's basically just kind of been able to go on in his own way, apart from my ways, for far too long. Therefore, behold, the days are coming when I will send to him those who tip vessels, and they will tip him over, and they will empty his vessels and shatter his jars. So he's just saying, you know, that, that there are some who kind of just seem to be able to go their own way and uh, just kind of ignore the difficulties of life and the ways of most people. But they're about their own way, not my way, and I will tip that over. I will bring an end to that. 26 and 27, make him drunk for he has become arrogant toward the Lord. So Moab will wallow in his vomit and he also will become a laughingstock. Now was not Israel a laughingstock to you or was he caught among thieves? For each time you speak about him, you shake your head in scorn. He's basically saying, yes, I've brought judgment upon my own people because um, I have a plan for them and they're not living up to that plan and I need to purify them so that they do represent me. But you who come against them, um, uh, there's judgment on that way as well. You're not even attempting to walk in my way in any way. And so we see here that the, the judgment, most of the book, is judgment upon the people of God because God has a plan for his people, the people that represent him in all the world with his love, his wisdom, his way of life, that his people should walk in it should contain it and be able to pour it out and teach it and share it with others. So most of this book is about his people coming back to him and the the judgment necessary in order to wake his people up so that they do come back to him, so that we do come back to him. But here he's got, uh, you know, there are people around the people coming against the people of God. And he says, the judgment comes to you too. Uh, Peter talks about judgment starts in the house of God and then moves outward. So that's kind of what we see in this book. Um, judgment, mo you know, the focus is on the people of God. But then, hey, the, there's judgment on the ways of the world too. Satan's kingdom does not get a free pass on this. 42, Moab will be destroyed from being a people because he has become arrogant toward the Lord. 44, the one who flees from the terror will fall into the pit, and the one who climbs up out of the pit will be caught in the snare, for I shall bring upon her, even upon Moab, the year of their punishment. Yet even, and I don't really, I don't have any particular understanding of this, but even at the end of uh, this prophecy against Moab, the last verse in Jeremiah 48 is, for, is verse 47. Yet I will restore the fortunes of Moab in the latter days, declares the Lord. Thus far the judgment 
um, on Moab. So even against Moab, there's this hint of, uh, of a restoration for a, a people that have been cleansed through the judgment and have woken up and turned around, turned away from their worldly ways and turned back to the Lord. Because ultimately, he wants a people who lives for him and who is, because he's designed us to be fulfilled, to be most joyful, peaceful, delighted with his life, that we are filled with him and that we live out his purpose in the world. That's what we are designed for. And so he wants to wake us up to that plan because since we're fallen into, we were born into a fallen state, we are captivated by the, you know, the ways of the world, the things around us. And he's waking us up to the reality that there is a living way that I have planned for you that I want to introduce to you in this world. But you have to live for me in order for me to give it. You have freedom of choice. You have to choose me over and over. You have to make a lifestyle of choosing me. And then I will fill you with this life and remove this old dead way of life, this worldly way that's been around you. And um, well, that's where I'll end it today. The Lord bless you.